All right, welcome back to the emergency goalies. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on right now with the Blackhawks, a lot of news, but as always, I'll start off with the recap of the week. And it began last Wednesday in Columbus with just another one of those games like the Coyotes game earlier in the year where the Blackhawks just got smoked by a not very good Columbus team that was on a pretty cold streak, but they had it that game and they just beat up on the Blackhawks. So I don't think we'll have to say much about that one. Then Friday afternoon, Black Friday against the Maple Leafs. And well, the Blackhawks just have the Maple Leafs number. I don't know what I can say, but it's a very exciting game that went to overtime. And Kevin Korczynski scored a very nice goal in overtime to give the Blackhawks a win. And, yeah, it was a, a good game for the Blackhawks. Then Sunday, well, that wasn't a very good game, and the Blackhawks got beat pretty good. But then the last game, Tuesday night against the Seattle Kraken, was another game that the Blackhawks played well. You know, held, held off a pretty strong close by the Kraken. Pulled out a win, 4-3. to three. So it was a 2-2 two and two week for the Blackhawks, and I guess I'll ask you, Michael, before we get into the, all the off-ice shenanigans, what did you think of the play on the ice? Very up and down, very inconsistent. Been a theme throughout the year, been a theme we expected to see throughout the year, and continues to be true. Um, that Columbus game was obviously a fairly big disappointment. Um, however, that was one of those games where Columbus was really had their backs against the wall after a rough stretch for them. Line A had been uh, scratched and, you know, some, yeah, I, I think there was a little bit of team pride um, being threatened there and they came out and responded and the Blackhawks just couldn't match their energy. Um, and then I think we saw kind of the reverse a little bit against the Maple Leafs where after that Columbus game, I think some of the Blackhawks veterans, I think Felino in particular kind of called out the guys a little bit and the Blackhawks responded and they skated hard. Um, I think over the, that game in particular, and then even in parts of the next game, even though they got blown out, um, I thought their puck pressure and at times their puck possession uh, has been as good as we've seen from them uh, throughout the season. And I think that's the one big takeaway from me over the last couple of weeks, even in some of the losses, we're seeing some signs, seeing some stretches of the Blackhawks just controlling the puck in the offensive zone, which is not something we saw through the first three, four, five, six weeks of the season, even in the games that they won. all of, Almost all of their goals came off of counterattack and rushes or, you know, very quick plays in the offensive zone. We're actually seeing them grind a little bit now. We're seeing them control the puck. Um, and we're seeing the defensemen... Uh, show some flashes of getting the puck out of the defensive zone and getting it up to the forwards a little bit and seeing a little less of getting trapped in the defensive zone. Uh, 
I think in particular, Kaiser and uh, Phillips have stepped up uh, over the last few games in that regard. Those those two and Kaiser in particular was really struggling through the first stretch of the season. But since those two have been paired together, I, I feel like they've gotten better with every game. And uh, over the last couple, I think they've, they've, they've been as strong of a pair um, as we've seen from the Hawks outside of some of the efforts we've gotten from Vlasic and Jones pairing. Um, so that's that's a really positive sign that's to see two rookies holding it down as well as they have the last couple of games. So especially with the way Kaiser was struggling, I was almost to the point where I felt like Kaiser maybe needed to go down to Rockford, but um, he's really responded. Um, you know, the, uh, of course, the the inverse of that is Korchinski, other than that goal against Toronto, has really been struggling in the defensive zone. We knew it was going to be a problem, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the up and down nature. Um, I was starting to get to the point with Kaiser because it had been like a 10, 15 game stretch where we were, we were seeing some struggles out of that. And I was concerned that that was going to maybe continue. Um, but like I said, he's, he's responded. Um, and you just hope with Korchinski, you know, I, I think the first few games of the season, he struggled. Then he, found a little bit more confidence, found a little more chemistry and started playing better. And then we've had, uh, you know, peaks and valleys since then peaks and valleys. And it's, it's, we're definitely in a valley right now. You just, you, you hope um, it just doesn't become a repetitive thing and it, it doesn't get overwhelmed. Um, so I'm not going to panic, but yeah, it's, it's definitely worth noting how poorly he has played lately. Yeah. Um, um... One other on ice thing, of course, is Dickinson, which is oh yeah, man, he's just on fire. Yeah, yeah, no, he's uh, he's been playing really well, and you know, I mean, to be honest, he's he's had a pretty strong season overall, mm-hmm. but certainly the goal scoring uh, as of late has been unexpected and a nice surprise, especially uh, given all of the injuries and other issues that we've seen up front. Um, where the, the, the Blackhawks middle six has really just gotten decimated um, of late, but Dickinson has stepped up. And honestly, um, in the wake of some of those other moves, they brought up Cole Gutman and they brought up Joey Anderson. Yeah, Joey Anderson, um, very impressive. Yeah, I, I, he's found some instant chemistry with Dickinson, and I think that's that, that that's been a big boon. Whereas uh, Gutman, I think, struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, that the the second line where they tried Gutman and Reichel and um, Johnson have all kind of alternated at center as of late. Uh, that line really hasn't worked, but that that Dickinson, uh, Felino, Anderson line has really clicked, and then maybe they found something there. Um, Anderson has really surprised me because it, it hasn't just been offensively; he's he's played well defensively as well. So yeah. that. That that's a been a very pleasant surprise. Um, so I'm very curious to see with the acquisition of Beauvillier, mm-hmm. um, who he replaces. Because I'm given the last few games, I hope it's not Anderson. Yeah. So obviously now I guess we have to get to the big issue, the big elephant in the room, and that is um, 
Corey Perry, who obviously, as everyone knows now, was uh, terminated from the team, cut from the team. I, you know, is there, I was going to ask you, is there a difference between terminated and released? Is there? Um, if if he's just given his release, the Blackhawks are still responsible for his contract. Whereas if his contract is terminated, which is yeah, what the Blackhawks are attempting to do, um, they will not be responsible for paying him. Uh, so that that's that's what we're seeing here, where they feel like he has breached the like morals and obligations clause of his contract, um, which is standard boilerplate um, language in every NHL player's contract, but it's something we very rarely see enforced. Um, and part of that is because the NHLPA knows that management and ownership would okay. try to exploit that. Um, you know, we've seen in every pro sports league, you know, collusion from ownership, you know, they're, they're going to try and get out of contracts and, um, so the NHLPA and all players associations are very protective that that clause is not abused. And it does sound like today we're seeing reports that they're considering, um, by the they're considering a challenge of what the Blackhawks are doing. Um, well, obviously, but, I can't say we don't know what many of the details. Obviously, it involves some kind of issue with a staffer. That's all they've said. Yeah, just an employee of the organization, as as far as we've heard. Um, the only other uh, detail we've gotten is that it, it was not a another player or a player family member. So, Which was a response to some really ugly rumors that I don't think we yeah. could even talk about. No, no. I mean, people are going to run with that, and you know, they they want to believe that given the Blackhawks organization's history. And I mean, and just, you know, I, can't, I can't really blame them, but at the same time, you just, you, you wish it wouldn't affect people beyond Corey Perry. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, other people are in the crosshairs right now. That's unfortunately too, just the nature of the internet and stuff. Salacious rumors always get more traction than they should. True or not. Yeah. You know, and I think part of it is unfortunately, you know, the circumstances of the Blackhawks, have recently had a cover-up scandal no, yeah. and no you know cares. yeah and unfortunately under circumstances like this due to the legality of the situation they cannot comment on this and they're handling it appropriately from what i've seen much, much better than they did previous yeah i mean you know they do depending on what the issue is due to privacy laws mm -hmm. um and just opening themselves up to litigation from Perry or, you know, other um, avenues, they, they can't comment on it. But, you know, that does sort of play into that um, mentality that people have that, you know, oh, the, this is just another cover up by the Blackhawks. Yeah. And they, you know, they've done it to themselves. They can't blame anyone yeah, yeah. for having no margin. I, I mean, I... It's unfortunate, but this is the situation that the Blackhawks find themselves in because previous organizational failures. So I, I don't have much sympathy for the organization as a whole, um, the Wirtz family in particular. But, um, you know, Davidson and 
you know, Connor Bedard <laughs> and some of the other people that have yes. been um, being uh, affected by this, uh, you know, were blameless in previous failures. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, as I said. So obviously, you know, I guess I'll ask the next, what do you think impact this will have on the team? Because obviously this is a big disruption in the middle of the year. Hopefully, you're hoping it's not a big distraction. No, you know, I mean, you hope it's something that can actually galvanize them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the succession of hits that the this team, the roster has taken with the Hall injury news, yes. the Perry dismissal, the Athanasiu injury, um, where, you know, I, there, this was a team that, that couldn't really afford um, to have their depth gutted like this. Um, you know, you, you'd like to see, like, like we saw from Felino, where, you know, he's kind of stepped up into that leadership role. That's why him and Perry were brought in um, yes. to kind of, to be those guys. And, um, you know, I think we've seen over the last couple of games, the effort level has been higher and that's um, something that was a, you know, kind of a hallmark of what the Blackhawks did last year where they had no business competing in a lot of the games where, you know, they lost by a goal or went to overtime or even won some games because they just outworked the other team. Um, but that's something we've seen less of this mm -hmm. season. Um, up until I think this this last two and two stretch, um, where I think we're starting to see that a little bit, and that might be in response to some of the recent losses, and hopefully it's a it's a theme that can 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 continue. Yep. Now obviously, I guess we kind of touched on this, but yeah, Taylor Hall, who suffered a knee injury, and we both thought it looked very bad, and then but he came back, but I guess he had torn his ACL on that that hit and played through yeah. it for a couple games, which is. I mean, these are hockey players. You, you generally more see that during playoff competition, but I think this might've been one of those instances where Hall has just been, you know, I mean, he injured his shoulder, came back quickly, re-injured it, went back out. Uh, I think he had one other little minor injury in there, came back quickly. And then, yeah, the, the knee. Cause that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, came back but yeah I, in in those games that he came back he did not look right um he was very ineffective he um just didn't didn't have any jump to his step and uh, <laughs> in, in, in hindsight knowing now what we know with you know having a torn acl that makes complete and utter sense and i think he probably realized that even if he could play through the pain uh his effectiveness just wasn't where it needed to be. So best to get it cleaned up now. And yeah. uh, I know, hope better, hope for better next season. Yeah, just, luck. A, just, a, just a jinxed year for him this year. Yeah. Just, yeah. It just, everything, everything that could kind of go wrong for him did this year. And, you know, he's not a guy that has a history of that. So it's not necessarily something that I have an ongoing concern of going into next year, but uh, yeah, just just a cursed season for him. It happens every once in a while. So I guess I'll ask you then, Bobillier. I'll have to get his name down eventually. But looking, yeah, it's, it it doesn't roll off the tongue. But yeah, Bobillier, you did you did it right there. Okay. Uh, you know he's a uh, he's kind of one of those 
classic tweener guys. He's, he's not very big, um, but he skates well. Uh, he's, he's had some stretches where he fits into a top six role and plays well with some, you know, with star players and he racks up some points every once in a while, but he's, he's very streaky and he's, he's, he's had trouble, um, consistently matching that output. Uh, and then unfortunately when he gets put into a bottom six role, he's maybe not necessarily the, the type of grinder or defensive presence that you want in there. So he's kind of one of those guys that when his game is on, he's in that middle six and playing an important role and bringing energy and bringing a little bit of speed. But when his game's off a little bit, he's getting demoted to the fourth line and, um, getting hidden a little bit in the lineup and not being counted on much. And, you know, if he was a $1 million or maybe even $2 million player, uh, you wouldn't, there wouldn't be much angst about him or anything. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of players like him in the national hockey league. Um, But unfortunately for him having getting traded from a good team to a bad team, like the Blackhawks, it's because, He's, it, it's just a salary dump. Um, the Blackhawks essentially needed to replace Corey Perry's salary in order they to had, stay firm, firmly above the cap floor. They had plenty of um, money that money to spend. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I've seen some people say like, oh, you know, the Blackhawks currently are at like seventy million, um, whereas the cap floor is sixty-two million. But the reason for that is you need to bank that that cap over of cap floor overage early in the season so that at the trade deadline you can go ahead and retain salary and 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 try and trade some of these pieces and if 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 it happens that you can trade enough where you actually get below the cap floor it eventually evens out over the course of the season and you stay you know it, it evens out to be above the floor so that's the reason for it even though at this moment, they didn't need that formula to stay above the floor. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, it, you know, they gave up nothing. They gave up a fifth round pick, which yeah. with the amount of um, top draft trip picks that the Blackhawks have over, yeah. you know, over the next couple of years in combination with the previous lots of picks that they've made over the last couple um, in some ways, those extra late round draft picks, can be a bit of a hindrance given the 50 contract limit and number of guys that they can actually have in their organization. So it's, it's, it's not a big exchange. And frankly, they just needed, needed a body after losing so many people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you lose three of your top nine forwards for extended periods, two of them for good. And the other, um, you know, for an indefinite amount with ethnicity, they just, they needed a body. Um, you, you, you don't want to have to rely on AHL players. I mean, the, the Joey Anderson has stepped up very nicely over these last few games, but that's not necessarily something you can count on. I mean, hopefully he keeps it together and continues at this pace, but you, you have to have other options besides that. Um, and yeah, I mean, with the amount of rookies, you know, last year it wasn't a big deal because it was just, it was a veteran laden roster. There wasn't really any young players that they were bringing in. Uh, so the, the ultimate environment didn't, didn't matter too much, but 
um, you know, they're playing six, seven rookies or first year players um, this year on a regular basis. So you want to make sure those guys are playing with, uh, you know, actual NHL caliber players and Bovillier gives them that. Yep. All right. So I guess we'll go to the week ahead now. I'm hoping no more day games because you're basically turning well, up right now. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing to me is we're finally getting into the point of the season where the Blackhawks can get into some kind of rhythm that, you know, we talked about how difficult the schedule was at the beginning of the season, but that was mostly the strength of schedule. But to me, the other underrated aspect of that was just the inconsistency. They would play two games and then they'd have four days off or something like that. And then they'd play one day and then they'd have two days off. And, you know, there was just was a lot of lulls. Yeah. Um, whereas I think now over the next three weeks, it's basically game off day, game off day, game off day. And it, um, so hopefully yeah, they can find a little bit more rhythm and that that can um, kind of lead into what I was talking about where they can kind of keep their energy up, hopefully. Um, but yeah, uh, that's something I'm looking forward to because it almost, in, at some points during the season, it didn't even feel like the Blackhawks season had even started in some ways. I just, it, you know, there were like four times, I think, over the first two months of the season where they had two games in a week, which is just really weird for an NHL schedule. So, yeah. So now there should be consistent games coming up. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a much more conducive schedule, I think, to hopefully just, like I said, just find a rhythm. Um, you know, there's still going to be bad games and there's still going to be low energy games, but hopefully Overall, it can be a more consistent effort for the Hawks. And, uh, you know, and then in combination with that, you've got slightly lesser competition for the most part coming up. So, yeah. you know, I mean, they're playing the Red Wings next too. The Red Wings have, have, have stepped up pretty well. And then obviously they, I guess the other off-ice news yeah. is the Red Wings signed Patrick Kane, um, although I'm definitely, play, uh, well, it doesn't sound like he's going to play Thursday, so we don't have to deal with that necessarily, but I'm, I'm kind of iffy on the impact of that, the, the, the injury and surgery that, that, yeah. that Kane had is not something that anyone has successfully come back from. And he's 35. And he's old. the same guy he was last year. Uh, he was as much a negative as he was a positive yeah, um, for both the Blackhawks and the Rangers. He's 35 too. So it's not like. Yeah. So I, I have doubts as to whether or not he can actually increase his mobility above what he, he had last year. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, and then uh, on Saturday, they play the Jets, which uh, that's a, that's a tough matchup, uh, especially in Winnipeg. That's never an easy place to play, but then you, they, they go on Sunday to play a, a struggling Minnesota team uh, who, you know, is it, it, a team that's traditionally been a pretty solid defensive squad, but they, they've really fallen apart in that this year. So that's definitely an opportunity for the Blackhawks to maybe score some goals. Yeah. And, and they're both good games. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. 
shocker. Um, at least neither of, oh, no, wait, one of them is NHL Network. So, yeah, yet another game that I'm not going to be able to freaking watch because nobody can watch those games because the NHL Network is not actually national in my view. Yeah, that's <laughs> I can't watch it either. I'd... Yeah, nobody nobody can watch those games. Nobody has an NHL Network. I don't. I, I hate that those games are blacked out, but it just is what it is. Uh, you know, and then after that, on Tuesday, they play Nashville, uh, which, again, is – an up and down team. If you catch them on the right day, it's definitely a vulnerable team. So yeah, you know, the schedule um, is lightening up a little bit. Yes. But yeah, I guess we'll see what the next week brings us that left this last Mm -hmm. lot of turmoil. So Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully everything just quiets down and the Blackhawks can settle in here and roll out a consistent lineup that performs at a consistent effort level. And yeah, we just coast on into the holidays and have some fun and the turmoil is behind us. Yep. All right. So on Twitter, you are MJ underscore Ernst. I'm FTH85. You can get the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. And we will be back next week. And hopefully it will be a little calmer.